Welcome back to Become a Calm Mama. I'm your host, I'm Darlene Childress, and today I'm going to be talking about bullying. The reason why I wanted to bring this up is because in my parenting of my kids, I have had both of my kids accused of being bullies or bullying other kids. And this also comes up with some of my clients, and especially if their kids are younger, like under seven, under eight, the really especially under five, I'll have parents, you know, in my program say, the school is accusing my son of being a bully or my daughter being a bully or things like that. And I thought it'd be helpful to do a podcast episode describing what bullying actually is and what it is not. And then also helping you start to see the signs of bullying, like in your kids, like to notice if they are being bullied. And then maybe even talk a little bit about the kids who are doing the bullying and like how to spot that because I know you all want to raise kind kids, emotionally healthy kids, and you don't want your kids to be the bully, right? You don't want them to be bullied, nor do you want them to be the bully. I want to talk about kind of the risk factors of being bullied and then the risk factors of becoming the bully and just so that you will understand what that looks like and then also kind of what to do to help your kids in either scenario, how to help you figure out if your kid is being hurt or possibly hurting someone else. So let's get into it today. And I'm going to give you some real strong tips at the end of like what to do to kind of, I always use this word inoculate, like inoculate your kids um, against becoming bullied or becoming a bully. Really, most of my programs are always designed about raising emotionally healthy kids emotionally healthy teens, emotionally healthy middle schoolers. And the reason why I title my programs that, and you being the calm mama, is because from calm, from your calm place, then you're able to coach your kids towards greater and greater emotional health. When you feel good about yourself and you can see the impact your behavior has on others, you're much less likely to bully. So that's why if you follow this podcast or if you're in my programs, we already do, we're already doing the inoculation, right? We're already kind of boosting our kids from the inside out and helping them uh, get to the point where they don't really need to like fall into these traps of being bullied or bullying. Okay, so let's talk about what bullying is. A lot of the resources that I'm offering to you today come from a website called stopbullying.org, and it's sort of the most respected organization that is working in anti-bullying environments. Okay, so let's get into it. What is bullying? Bullying is unwanted and aggressive behavior among school-aged children and um middle schoolers and teenagers as well, that involves a real or perceived power imbalance. Okay, so I want to talk about the two, these two factors of the, well, three factors, the behavior being unwanted, right? So it's not like in a friendship, it's an actual um, imbalance of power that where the one kid is being powered over by another kid and they don't want that attention from them. So, and then there's an imbalance of power and then there's repetition. The unwanted is obvious, right? Like you don't, you're, the kid's like, I don't like this. Don't do this to me. I don't want you to talk to me like that. Don't make fun of me. Don't make those comments, right? Anything that you don't want, any kind of um, aggressive behavior that you're not participating in, you don't want it, then that means, it, you know, it's a type of bullying. The other factor that's really important is this imbalance of power. 
that could be a physical strength. It could be having access to embarrassing information. It could be um, having a, so- a stronger social group and that you use that imbalance of power to control someone else or to harm that person. So what's interesting is about power imbalances is like you can have a kid who when they're like six or seven grows in a gro- big growth spurt and is a lot bigger than the other kids. There's an imbalance of power there. But as they grow, that imbalance of power could change. Another kid could hit a growth spurt, right? Or post-puberty, another kid can like be like, well, you used to be the smallest kid. Now you're huge, right? Or maybe the balance of power changes because of you change schools or different things like that. So it's not permanent. And it's not always and the same that that one kid always has the imbalance of power in that one circumstance. It could be that maybe in their community, like their outside of school community or in their sports community or in their Boy Scout community or Girl Scout community or something like that, in those environments, maybe they have less or more power, but then at school it's reversed. So it doesn't always have to be kind of constant. Imbalance of power. And then we have repetition. So it happens more than once or it has the potential to happen more than once because of the vulnerability of the other person. Bullying really is this behavior that person receives that they don't want. It's attention that they're not seeking. The behavior is aggressive in nature. It's meant, you know, it does create harm. There's an imbalance of power and it's repetitive. So these aren't one-off situations. They can be if if you find, if you catch it, you know, really fast, you're like, whoa, this is a potential to keep happening. We need to do something to change the circumstance here for the kid. For the most part, bullying happens in that repetitive, repetitive. So it's not one off. Three types of bullying. And then there's also cyberbullying. So there's really four types, I guess. We're going to talk about verbal bullying, social bullying, physical bullying, and then cyberbullying. So I'm not going to go too deep into them because they're pretty obvious what they are. But verbal bullying is saying or writing mean things. So that definitely happens as part of cyberbullying, right? There's an actual, the words are being said, like teasing, but it's repetitive. So teasing by itself is not necessarily bullying if there's an imbalance of power, if it's unwanted, and if it is repetitive. Name calling, inappropriate sexual comments, taunting, uh, threatening to cause harm. Those are all types of verbal. Social bullying, sometimes thought of as relational bullying, and it is in, involves hurting someone's reputation or their relationships. So that can be continuously leaving one kid out on purpose, telling other children not to be friends with someone, spreading rumors about them, embarrassing them in public, so drawing attention to maybe a way that they're different from the group and you're pointing that out in that group setting, that is social bullying. And then physical bullying is when it involves hurting a person's body or their things. So hitting, kicking, punching, pinching, spitting, tripping, pushing, taking or breaking someone's things, making mean or rude hand gestures, right? So using your body against someone. Cyberbullying is any of these types of things, the verbal, social types of bullying that happens digitally. So on cell phones, computers, and tablets, on SMS, like uh, on messaging, text messaging, within apps, online social media forums, 
uh, gaming forums so we can see Discord chat groups where there's bullying. We can see Snapchat or TikTok, any of those. It could be in a comment. It could be in um, a direct message or it can actually be screenshots of things that somebody shares online and then is spread around within the groups, the school group through text. So it can include posting, sending information about somebody, posting information, sharing negative information, uh, sharing harmful, false, mean content. It can also just be sharing private information that's about something that's embarrassing or humiliating. Maybe uh, one kid tells someone in confidence what happened to them, and then that kid uses that information and spreads it around, right? That would be bullying. So the thing that's interesting about cyberbullying that is a little bit different is that it tends to be persistent in that you can't really be get safe from it. So if you are being bullied, say, at Scouts, and then when you go to Scouts, that's when you endure that behavior, or at school, or at recess, or on the yard, But if you are experiencing cyberbullying, it's like 24 hours a day, you're at risk because it's a digital medium. The other things that are unique about cyberbullying is it's permanent because it's creating a digital footprint. And so that can feel a little bit scary for us parents. It can be hard to remove these types of things. And then of course, it's hard to notice because we're not seeing it, right? Teachers and parents, they may not overhear or see the cyberbullying take place, so it's harder to protect kids. So we really want to have a good relationship with our children so that they feel safe enough to share with us what's happening. And I'll talk more about that in a few minutes. I was going to go back and talk about this whole like physical bullying thing because that's what a lot of times kids that are in early childhood will be accused of bullying. And really, between the ages of three to five, kids are learning how to get along with each other. They're learning how to cooperate. They're learning how to share. They're learning how to understand their feelings. And in that process, they might be aggressive or they might act out and get angry or when they don't get what they want. But that is not bullying. It could turn into bullying if we don't teach the kids how to manage their emotions and how to show how behavior impacts others, we want to always be, in my program, we call that connect, limit, set, correct. We want to be constantly teaching kids that their behavior is driven by their feelings and that their behavior has impact on other people. So we want to see it ages three, four, five, six, and be teaching those skills so that we prevent a kid becoming a bully. But really, ages three to five, that's not what's happening. So, you know, if your kid ever gets accused of being a bully in like preschool or early kindergarten, you can refer the teacher to this website, stopbullying.org, or have them listen to this podcast episode and just talk about like, no, 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 this is all normal developmental stuff that kids are going through at this age. Do we want to ignore the behavior? No, not at all. We want to help kids regulate their emotions and see their behavior has an impact on others and help them you know, deal with the impact their behavior has by saying sorry, by doing something kind for the kid, having better boundaries around um, what's allowed at school and those kinds of supports, of course. But we don't want to start labeling kids with bullying behavior in you know, preschool and young kindergarten. Okay, sometimes we like to think about 
you know, who, like what's happening in a bullying situation? I read this book once um, called The Bully, The Bullied, and The Bystander. Bystander. (laughs) And I love that book because I think it's really helpful to understand that you have the kid who is doing the bullying. You have the kid who's experiencing the bullying. And then you also have the bystanders. Standards. I keep wanting to say standards. Standards. The bystander is really the role that most of your kids are in. And that is where we want to really enforce for our children that if they see a child hurting another child, that they can speak up about it. But those are sort of the the roles that we see in a bullying circle. So there's the one who initiates, we kind of think of them as the bully, but then sometimes the bystander will become an assistant or they'll reinforce the behavior. So you want to be aware of, you know, maybe your kid isn't instigating the this, this situation, but maybe they aren't doing anything about it. And so being a bystander is not, does not mean that you're like guiltless, <laughs> right? It, it's, we all have the responsibility to stand up for the kid or the person who's being bullied. So we don't want to label kids. We don't want to say like, oh, this kid is the bully and this kid is the victim. I love using the language of like the child who bullied or the child who was bullied or the kid who experienced bullying because it, we don't want to put that label on kids because then they start to self-identify as I'm a victim, I'm weak. You know, kids are always picking on me. Kids make fun of me. No one likes me. I'm not safe. That's not a narrative we really want kids to be building an experience around. It's not safe for them and it's not good for their self-concept. Just like for the bully, quote unquote, right? We don't want them to go, oh, I'm mean. I'm always in trouble. The teachers don't like me. Uh, I'm not smart, right? We don't want them to create a label for themselves around that. So we're just going to refer to them as a kid who did some bullying, a kid who does bully sometimes, or the child who experiences bullying or was bullied. Does that make sense? I hope so. Okay. Who, who's at risk of being bullied? Generally, unfortunately, kids who seem different from their peers are a bit at risk, right? If, if they don't look physically the same as most of the other kids, like, you know, wearing glasses or whatever that is, like the way they look, or being new to a school, like if you're just new, you're kind of set up that way. Um, or if you don't have like the clothes that, the, that your peer group has or that, that you don't look a certain way, you don't act a certain way, then a perceived difference can create a risk factor. If the child is different, but is really confident in the way that they're different, if they can like, you know, be okay in them, their own body and their own, whoever they are, they kind of have that inner confidence, that inner ability to validate then they're a lot less at risk because they're not perceived as weak. They're not perceived as unable to defend themselves. So it's not just being different that makes you a risk factor. It also is if that's coupled with not defending yourself, not having enough esteem in yourself. And then also kids who kind of don't know how to read the social cues like if they're kind of a provoking or antagonizing others, it can flip on them where they're bugging others and then they start to get socially uh, rejected. 
And so we want to uh, help our kids grow in the ways that we don't need to change the way they look in order to fit in. That's not the angle here. The angle here is to say, you get to love yourself no matter how you look, no matter if you're a new kid, if you've been around, if you're the, you know, the top athlete, if you're not the top athlete, if your child feels good about who they are and how they show up in the world, they will automatically be, it's almost like a shield against being bullied as well as if they are experiencing some teasing, some taunting, some unwanted imbalance of power, aggressive behavior, when the kid who is experiencing bullying stands up for themselves, defends themselves, it actually kind of shuts the, uh, the behavior down. If it affects you, if it's like the arrows kind of penetrate through your shield, then the kid who's seeking that sort of power over you they will keep seeking it from you. If they're seeking that power, they're going to find places that they get it. But if your kid is not giving them that power, they're not going to get it. That's going to be like an empty, oh, don't try that kid anymore because that doesn't work. So we have these children who are at risk of being bullied. It's kids who are a little different from their peer group or have social struggles and also don't know how to defend themselves, don't know how to you know, feel good about themselves. And then also if they like don't have a friend group or like, you don't have to have a whole group, just like one buddy, one gal that you really like to play with. If you have that in any setting, typically as at risk. So who does this bullying? Typically there's two types of kids who are more likely to bully. The first is the one that is really like the social bully, like the one who has a lot of social power and is well-connected to their peers and they want to keep it that way. Like at the core of that, they don't feel secure in their social standing, even though they have a solid social standing. And so they push others down. They want to dominate or be in charge of others in order to protect their position or their standing. The other, so that's like kind of like the popular kid, who does the bullying, it's like really there's at the core some sort of deeper feeling of insecurity. That can be hard to read um, for sure, but that's sort of when we see that, it's like, oh, okay, maybe you're not really feeling secure in yourself and your power over others in order to feel comfortable within yourself. The other kid who is likely to bully others is a kid who's very isolated from their peers, who's already maybe become, who's already experienced some bullying, who's already been separate from the group, has some anxiety or some low self-esteem, is less involved in school, has some pressure from other kids trying to, you know, communicate like, I don't care about you guys and I'm going to power over you and just show you how little I care by being mean. So that kid is struggling inside and that's typically what we think of as the bully. We don't look at the kid who's like got a a lot of social success. That is a lot of hidden bullying happening because you'd go, well, that's the nice kid. Why would that kid ever act like that? But the kid who's sort of already on the outside often gets accused. What we are looking for when you're trying to figure out if your kid is doing some bullying Some of the factors that we see is that they are aggressive or easily frustrated 
and that might trickle down into their relationships with their peers. They may take that anger and dump it onto another kid. That is why emotional regulation, teaching those skills is so, so, so important because if you don't know what to do with your feelings, you can either dump them on someone else or dump them inside, dump them on you. And that leads to poor self-esteem, poor self-concept. We're really looking for the kids who don't know how to manage their big feelings in those elementary, middle, and high school years and seeing, ah, the reason for this bullying behavior is really more of an emotional regulation issue and self-esteem problem. The kids who do the bullying, they're not always stronger or bigger than those that they bully. The power imbalance can come from popularity, strength, cognitive ability. So we are looking to see the kids who are struggling with their emotional regulation. They put down other kids. They don't follow the rules. They don't think the rules apply to them. Those are some of the warning signs for children who are likely to bully others. I know I'm going through this fast, but hopefully you're kind of just getting the big gist of it. Like, oh, okay. So the kid who does some bullying behaviors isn't just like at the core, some jerk person who has like a character defect. It's like, no, the kid who is bullying is struggling. The kid who's behaving that way towards someone else is someone who feels bad and insecure, or they don't feel that the security that they have is solid. So let's get into like, how do you know if your kid is being bullied? So I'm going to read this list, but I want you to realize that a lot of these are by themselves are just kind of like normal child behavior. So I don't want you to start to think, oh my God, my kid is being bullied for sure. They're like a victim. And, you know, I don't want you to get stuck in any one of these. I want you to think of this as like, hey, we're if we're starting to see some warning signs that are coupled together and you're trying to figure out what's going on, why your kid is acting this way, maybe get curious about how they are doing socially. So what do we see? We see loss of friends or avoidance of situ social situations. I don't want to go to that party. I don't want to go to his house. I don't want to go to the park after school. I don't like going to school at all, right? So maybe they start to have frequent headaches, stomach aches, feeling sick, or faking illness. Stress does show up in the body. So it's not always faking illness. It's, it's illness that doesn't make any sense, right? It's headaches and stomach aches. It's anxiety showing up in their body. So you might see difficulty sleeping. You might see nightmares. You might see night waking, coming into your room over and over again. Over again, You might see declining grades if your school does grades or just lack of interest in schoolwork or not wanting to go to school, not wanting to go to Cub Scouts, not wanting to go to volleyball practice, not wanting to go to the dance or, or dance practice or go to the dance, the party afterwards or stay, right? If you start to see sort of this kind of insecure behavior, it's like, mm, okay, maybe there's something else going on. Maybe there's some social bullying happening. Now, looking for physical bullying, if you're seeing unexplainable injuries, if you're seeing a kid who has like their, their clothing is being destroyed, they're losing books, they're losing jewelry, they're losing their electronics, and it's not just, oh, they're absent-minded. It's kind of a newer behavior. Maybe there's a kid who's actually taking their stuff and wrecking it. I was going to say, 
there was one instance of Lincoln in kindergarten, his first year, where he was so upset. He had such a big feeling cycle. He didn't know what to do with it. He was in kindergarten, so he was young. And he smashed another kid's lunch. He like stomped on it, which is embarrassing. I'm sure he doesn't love me telling you this story. But I tell you because I want you to realize that was a one instance. He wasn't like a bully. He didn't go around stealing all the kids' lunches and, and smashing them, right? Or stealing one kid's lunch and smashing it over and over and over. There was no imbalance of power. It was a moment of emotional dysregulation. Now, we can see that pattern if it continues and it's one kid who keeps powering over a, a group, right? It's a repetitive behavior. It's this imbalance of power where one kid can do that to another kid. Now, like I said, we're not going to look at like this list and assume that every behavior that is happening with your children are because they're being bullied. I just want you to be curious, okay? Be open, be curious. I wonder what could be going on here. This behavior is out of norm or out of bounds for my child, and then get a little curious. How are things on the yard? Who have you been playing with lately? What's been going on? I noticed your lunch. You know, you're coming home really hungry, but yet your lunch is all gone. Are you the only one eating it or what's going on? So we're looking for, uh, you know, that kind of those signs. So we're looking for different signs in our kids to see if what is happening doesn't seem like in your intuition, in your mother instinct or your parenting instinct, if you're like, something seems off here, then get curious. So now let's get into what we can do if our kids, if we suspect they're either bullying someone else or they're being bullied. Now, let me tell you, in a perfect world, our kids would just say to us, mom, this kid is being mean or mom, I feel very insecure and I'm doing a lot of power over others, okay? Maybe the kid who's being bullied might talk about it, but a lot of times they still don't because they want to be able to handle it, right? They want to feel that control. They don't want to be perceived as weak. They don't want to tattletale because it kind of gives them more reason to think that they deserve to be bullied in the first place. So they don't want to talk about it because they feel helpless. They are looking for power within themselves and they don't have it. So they don't want to talk about it because they don't know, they don't want to weaken their position, if that makes sense. They also might fear like if I tell, then the my mom's going to come to the school and the kid's going to find out and it's going to get worse, right? They feel worried that the kid who's been bullying them will retaliate. And then, so they might feel helpless, they might feel scared, or they might just be humiliated. Kids may not want the adults to know what is being said about them, especially middle school. There's so much bullying in middle school. There's so much social bullying in middle school. And there's rumors all the time, and it can be really embarrassing to say, oh, this you know, this, there's a rumor going around that I had sex with so-and-so and I don't, you know, the kids like, I don't want you to think that I would have sex. Like it's so embarrassing. Kids are so embarrassed. They don't want to talk about sex at all, <laughs> especially with their parent, especially like sex they're being accused of. Like it's all so awkward, right? 
So they don't want to talk about it. They also fear that they'll that you'll look at them differently if you find out. If you'll you'll look at them as if there's something wrong with them. The kids don't ask for help because they don't want their parent to reject them, nor do they want their peers to reject them. Other kids don't always feel like they can help a kid being bullied. And so if they tell their friends and their friends don't do anything about it or don't feel like they can, the friend might not be supportive. They might kind of abandon that friendship in order to protect themselves. They're like, oh, I don't want to be associated with that. So that's the fear that kids have. They're, they're going to be rejected by their peers. That does happen sometimes. But for the most part, real good friends are kind and loving, right? They stay supportive to their friend. The last reason kids don't talk about what, like about bullying is because they already feel like they're outsiders and they already feel alone. And so they might not feel like even if they tell, nobody's going to help them. It becomes this vicious cycle where it's like, if I tell, it will get worse. And then it continues to get worse. And then they say, see, I need to be handling this by myself, but I can't. And I, that means I'm, you know, not, not strong. They don't realize that it's not their fault. It's not because they're actually weak. It's because of the, the, the other kids insecurity. And so we want to help our kids understand that it's, that bullying happens. We need to be really honest about it. We need to have very, very frank conversations about how bullying is true, right? So we want to start talking about, hey, bullying happens. So we're going to start with that. We're going to start like with talking about, hey, well, you might see bullying. You might notice it. And you, as the person who sees it, you can do something about that. And so you want to give them some tools of what they can do if they are seeing a kid be mean to another kid. So what are some of the things the bystander can do? They can go right over next to the person who's being bullied, stand next to them, say something like, oh, I've been looking for you. Come over with me. Come, come with me. The child, your child, you can empower them to protect others from being bullied. And that's the beginning of the conversation of, hey, so bullying happens. And if you see it, here's what you can do. You can go over and say, oh, hey, I've been looking for you. Come play with me. Or the teacher sent me to find you. Come with me. So we want to just go with the kid who's being bullied and just kind of remove them from the danger. Get help. Getting other kids on your side by waving over the, to them by saying, hey, hey, come over here. Come over here. We need your help. And then the group of you say, you're being mean. We don't like this. And then walk away. So you can tell your child, listen, you don't have to stand up to it alone. Go get some other friends and say, come over here. Come help me. So-and-so's being mean. They can actually intervene right there if they see somebody. And then also, of course, they can always go tell a teacher or come get you. Um, and that is fine. So that's a great place to talk about bullying so that you're not saying to your kid, don't be the bully and don't be bullied. Instead, you're saying bullying happens sometimes. And if you see it, here's what you can do about it. Let them know that's that this happens. Then as you kind of move forward in your conversations, you can talk to them about what would happen if you were the one being bullied? What would you say? What would you do? 
And you can start to practice and role play. You can say to your kids, listen, if somebody comes up to you and they want to, and they're not being nice, instead of trying to argue with the bully or defend yourself in any way, you can just say, I don't want to talk to you right now and walk away. You can say, "Mm, that's not nice. I'm going to ignore you and walk away. You can say, uh, I have something else to do and run away. Not engaging, not showing emotion is the best way because the, the, the person who is bullying, what they're looking for is a reaction. They're looking for a charged, you know, big feelings. They're looking for either, you know, crying or anger or lashing out. And it kind of fuels the situation. So being neutral, being like a duck with water just kind of flowing right off of its back, that's how you want your kids to handle it. So you're going to have your kids practice staying calm, looking you in the eye and saying, I don't like that. I'm walking away. Or that's not nice and walking away. Or, you know, I'm going to ignore what you just said and walk away. So you can practice that. The other things you want to do, so it's in general, teaching your children that they can be assertive. So the first one, we're practicing witnessing bullying. The second, we're practicing being bullied. And then the third, we're teaching our children that they can stand up for themselves, that they don't have to just always be nice, right? So we can say, teach our kids to say, hey, stop that. Or hands off my body. Don't touch me. It's not okay to hurt people. I don't like being called by that. I want you to call me by my name. Don't call me that name. Or it's my turn now. We want our kids to have agency. We want them to have self to be self-assertive. So we want our kids to be able to have that internal compass, that internal confidence. So because bullies, the kids who bully, they prey on kids who are perceived to be vulnerable. So we want to give our kids a lot of social skills and we want to practice that. So we're going to role play. Hey, when you are in a group and you, you know, everyone's playing, playing handball and you want to play too, how can you join? What's the best way? How do you ask? It feels silly, but kids actually do really appreciate being coached a little bit socially. Meet some new kids at this party. How do you want to introduce yourself? What would you want to say? You know, or, oh, you really want to invite Jacob to your house or you want to invite Monroe to your to play date? Let's practice it. How will you say it? Do you want to say, Monroe, would you like to come to my house on a play date? So we want our kids to feel like they have basic social skills and that they're confident in their peers. Because we the vulnerability socially is really what puts our kids at risk of being being bullied. All right. So there was a lot in this episode. I talked to you about sort of what is bullying, what it's not, what are the signs or who's likely to bully and why, and then why some kids are more at risk of being bullied, why some kids are more at risk of being the bully, and then how to kind of prevent that from happening. In general, I just want you to think about how important it is for kids to have a positive self-concept. And I've talked about that on this podcast a bunch. It's like what self-concept is, is the collection of thoughts I have about myself. Your kids, 
the thoughts that they have about themselves are the thoughts that you give them to think about themselves. So really thinking about how do you think about your kid? Do you think they're a jerk? Do you think they're mean? Do you think that they're a big problem? Do you think that they're awkward and socially weird and whatever? It's okay, but we want to clear out some of those negative thoughts about our kids and make space for what are the best thoughts that we can have our kids think about themselves. I'm strong. I am capable. People like me. I fit. I belong. I know how to make friends. I'm not a problem. Like positive thoughts. So work on that for yourself and pass those to your kids. Now, if you do suspect your kid is being bullied, then you want to go to the supervising adults in the circumstances that your child is being bullied in. So if that's at school or on the playground or at, you know, an enrichment activity, dance or sports or something like that, go to the coach, go to the dance instructor, go to the principal, go to your teacher, talk about it and talk about how you can protect your child and separate them from the other kid until everybody is safe. All right. If you have any questions about bullying, again, stopbullying.org is an amazing resource, has tons and tons of resources available for you to go deeper. Or you can reach out to me. I'm taking consults right now. So it's 20 minute complimentary consultation with me. We get to talk about your kid, what you're seeing, what you're struggling with, and I'll help you make a plan of what to do next. So that is available on my website. We'll put a link in the show notes. So in the meantime, I want you to just Kind external parent talk (laughs) kept. That's the concept I love that I've been thinking about a lot lately is how can I think kind thoughts about my child and how can I speak those into my child's life? That is the key to prevent bullying and a kid from being bullied. All right, mamas, I will see you next week. I hope you have a great week.